everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Tuttle, joined by Chris Cartman. Today, we'll be taking a look at some recruiting numbers for Arizona State and how they stack up. This is a post-National Signing Day podcast, and ASU signed 17 players to National Letter of Intents. They also have 13 committed scholarship transfers. So all told, that's 30 new players committed to the program. Right now, they rank 40th overall, which is a combination of high school, JUCO, and all the other transfers. Uh, They rank 52nd on the 247 Sports Composite, which only looks at high school and JUCO players. And then they're ninth overall in the transfer rankings on 247 Sports. In the Big 12, they're 8th in the traditional rankings, but 5th when you include the transfers uh, along with the rest of the signees. Right now, they're really close to some of the teams there behind, only a point and a half behind Cincinnati and Arizona in the Big 12. It's been a while, Chris. I want to want to kind of hop into this podcast. I know I threw a lot of numbers out there, uh, but how do you feel about this ASU signing class, the transfers, and really what Coach Kenny Dillingham has accomplished over these past few weeks? Yeah, the dust is, is starting to settle a little bit. It was a very wild uh, December uh, the season ends, and then you have this mini season of just mad scramble dash. Everybody trying to get their roster secured for for next year. Um, of course, ASU lost some 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 players that it would have probably preferred to keep. BJ Green going to Washington, Jalen Conyers going to Texas Tech. Overall, though, I think ASU got a net positive gain in the transfer portal. Um, people will remember, of course, that um, a year ago, ASU added the second most uh, transfers behind Colorado of any school in the country as part of there was 30 or more transfers as part of a 50 plus man overall class. So now we're getting a little bit more stability here with um, what they're trying to do. They have around right now projected around 52 returning scholarship players you have an 85 limit is you might be under the 85 limit by a, by a few because of uh the ncaa um uh, investigation resolution uh which is not finalized but i think that it's probably headed to that direction so they really can't add right now too many more than 30 ish players and that may grow in the spring when additional players may elect to transfer and then there'll be another uh, transfer window. So, but for right now, as you said there, it's, it's a reasonably balanced between transfers and then high school signees uh, a little more on the high school side than transfers. I do think most part with their transfer class, they, they accomplished what they set out to do with the one real exception of offensive tackles. But from a ranking standpoint, um, I feel like being middle of the pack it, for the the sort of traditional rankings, the high school, junior college, as he said, they're eighth, but really it's a little bit of a deceiving eighth because they're very close to like fifth um, overall. I, I think that that's, um, you know, that, that it's not it's not great, but it's, it's pretty solid. One of the things that Kenny Dillingham said that I wholeheartedly agree with in the Zoom that he had with media um I guess it was right before, like right before the, the the Christmas holiday. I think it was the 21st or 22nd of December. He what he what he said was um that any staff that comes in to a to a school 
its first full year class, which is this one, they're still going to be behind because their their competitors in recruiting were recruiting a lot of those same kids to their to their to their school when they were sophomores in high school or certainly uh, going into their junior year or early in their junior year of high school. You know, Kane Dillingham, he he wasn't even at ASU at that point. He's been at ASU a year. So these players who are uh, now just finished with their senior years of high school, senior seasons, they were finished with their junior seasons already when he came in. So they had been offered scholarships and been recruited for some months, maybe even a year or more than a year by these other schools. So um, it's really this next class that ASU is going to end up uh, being able to compete on a probably equal playing field. And to that end, I think this is also an important thing, even though it's not really the point of this podcast, ASU just picked up its fourth 2025 uh, commitment from uh, uh, Matai uh, Jefferson, who's offensive lineman from uh, Bosco in um, in uh, the LA area, he is their fourth 2025 commitment, and um, all four of them are ranked in the top 750 recruits nationally in the class. And ASU is actually nineteenth overall, and in the composite in 2025. So I think, as Dillingham accurately said. What should happen is that a, a a team, a program should be improving in its re- recruiting rankings from its traditional first class. That's that's is you know you're MacGyvering together with duct tape and and bubble gum, and then your 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 first full year class should be probably a little bit better, especially with the the high school signees that you get, and then your third class is when you should be operating on all cylinders, your third and fourth classes that now you should have good classes. So they are kind of trending in that direction. And so even though the rankings quote unquote, aren't like overall super impressive, when you look at it, they are fifth in the, in the hybrid uh, big 12 rankings, which incorporate transfer portal and uh, the, the traditional signees. And um, but they're third among those five, in the number of players that they added. So a couple of those schools added more players, which then sort of boosts to some degree the ranking. So that's sort of the, that's the, the just an insider's look at the rankings. And ninth in the transfer portal around where ASU kind of was last year. I don't have know it off the top of my head, but um, they've done a very good job with, with getting transfers that are going to start right away. They did that ahead of their first season. They got a half the roster was probably uh, transfers who started. And now this year, probably not quite as many, I would say who are going to start right away uh, just because they're going to probably have more returning starters, but they did get at a lot of positions, guys that are going to be able to make an immediate impact. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the discussion on some of the incoming transfers. As I mentioned at the outset of the podcast, they have 13 coming in. And as you just mentioned, they are ninth in the standings behind three other Big 12 teams, Colorado, TCU, and Texas Tech. Let's go ahead and talk about Relique Brown to start things out. I mean, he's probably the biggest get for ASU on paper, at least. Uh, He's 30th overall in the portal rankings, and he was described as a ball of muscle by head coach Kenny Dillingham. Uh, that's not it though. There's also Michigan state transfer quarterback, Sam Levitt, uh, who he's going to add some depth in the quarterback room. 
uh, and maybe potentially put some uh, competition up against Jaden Rashada. Uh, Zyrus Fiasu uh, was SDSU's leading tackler. He's another addition. So what are your thoughts on just the overall incoming transfer class here for the Sun Devils? Yeah, so the first three guys are two of those guys that you mentioned, plus Kamari Wilson, who's a safety transfer from Florida, who in his high school class in 2022 was a top 100 overall recruit. Those three guys are all in the top 225 uh, transfers overall. Um, Rayleigh Brown, he was, you know, a top 50 recruit, I think, nationally in 2022 by 24-7 sports. Um, not just a ball of muscle. He is a, a frenetic, twitchy, explosive, explosive athlete. Like, he's the you know, the Tyreek Hill or whatever. I'm not saying he's as fast, but he is, you know, that type of a player that you're going to be getting at, at ASU, but he'll be in the backfield more than as a receiver. But what people will remember is Dillingham is a protege of Mike Norvell. This offense is 70 to 80%, the same as what Mike Norvell did. And DJ Foster was a 2,000-yard rusher, 2,000-yard receiver, extremely rare accomplishment in his career. And that's because of his seamlessness with how he moved between the backfield and the slot. And that's what ASU felt like it didn't have enough of this year from an athleticism standpoint, a a player who could be that uh, Swiss Army knife that you could uh, use to help generate mismatches to that degree. And that's what Brown's going to be able to add, they believe. That is that is the expectation. He certainly has the athleticism uh, to be able to, to do that. And then um, you mentioned the, the, the Sam Levitt edition. Uh, he's a top 25 quarterback transfer nationally, I think 22nd, uh, 220th overall in the class. He was a four-star recruit in high school coming out of Oregon, where he ranked somewhere in the 20s uh, as a quarterback. Uh, go going to Michigan State. Um, he absolutely should push Jaden Rashada. They're in the same class. Uh, they both have four more years of eligibility because they both redshirted. Levitt played as a backup uh, um, at Michigan State, and then of course um, Rashada played in in three games starting, uh, but was able to preserve his redshirt because he didn't pl- play in more than four games. So um, I I I think it's also interesting that um, Rashada was told apparently according to Dillingham that uh, they bring in another quarterback and it, it would be a competition. And he didn't shirk from that whatsoever. He basically said, you know, cool, bring it on. Let's go. You know, I'm not afraid of competition according to Dillingham. And so he didn't enter the transfer portal. And now you have this battle that is, is going to happen between those two guys. And you can't entirely count out Trenton Bourget. He started, most of the games for ASU this season at quarterback, not a successful season, only through one touchdown, but uh, he's a very experienced and he's going into his senior year announced that he'd, he'd be returning. So six year college player. So quarterback room looks to be, you know, in a, in a reasonably decent shape. They're going to need uh, Levitt and or Rashada to improve steadily and, and, and be competent. Um, they also need guys that are going to be able to protect them because the offensive line, of course, had a lot of injuries and, and especially in the first half of the season, uh, really struggled from a pass protection standpoint. ACU had tons of turnovers, quarterbacks were under duress 
quite a lot, which creates problems. And they added two Division One transfers who the headliner is uh, Issei Mat- Matautia. And uh, he is a 20, he was a 20 game starter at New Mexico at right guard. So that's somebody that you should be able to, you know, plug in almost immediately, uh, you know, if, if, if he's as good as they hope uh, into a starting guard situation. And then they also got Joey Sua. He, he was at Arkansas. He redshirted as a freshman uh, his first year this, this, this season. And um, he's originally from Phoenix, told me he moved from Phoenix to Southern California when he was around 14, uh, 14 years old or so at Los Angeles. Then he was in Arkansas for one year only before he signed with Arkansas. So you can't expect him to come in and start right away because he redshirted last year. So um, no, they're going to need probably a, a, an additional offensive lineman or two via transfer, especially tackle. That's where they had the, that's where they didn't fill their holes enough to the degree that they needed. Um, now tight ends, of course, I mentioned Conyers is gone. And then ASU also lost Messiah Swinson. Uh, and then, and then he's uh, out of eligibility. And then Ryan Morgan decided he was going to uh, quit playing football and join ASU's uh, police uh, uh, department, the, the, the ASU one. So, uh, that's a cool gig for him. And, um, so, but that means that ASU only has one remaining tight end on the roster. And, uh, so they needed to supplement like quite a lot. And so what they did was they went out and they got, uh, Marcus Douglas from Florida state. Who's a really big dude, six, four, two eighty something. He's going to be able to be, he's a good athlete at that size. He's going to be able to move around and service all of the alignments. And then they got Cameron Harpel from uh, San Diego state um, who, again, he's, you know, a bigger guy, six, 250 pounds, six foot four. He's, he's should have, hasn't played a ton, especially as a, as a pass catcher, but somebody that they appear to think that he's going to be able to service these roles. And then they got uh, you mentioned earlier that they they're one of their highest rated high school guys in the class 40 year, uh, even though he had an ACL injury. So he's having surgery and he may or may not be ready to go in August for the start of preseason camp. And then elsewhere, of course, they they ASU's uh, lost two of its top three cornerbacks uh, from this season. So they needed to get some help there and they went out. And they got um, from Washington State, Javon Robinson, who was recruited by uh, ASU's defensive coaches to Washington State, Brian Ward, the D coordinator. Robinson was their third. It was their number three corner uh, uh, this this season. And then Terrence Welsh is from uh, LSU. They're loaded, obviously, at all times with uh, with. Uh, defensive backs. So he decided, okay, it's a little bit too crowded for me there with, with some older guys. Uh, he was extremely highly rated uh, as well coming out of high school. So the, the expectation is that those guys will come in and they'll be able to replace real Torrance and D Ford, and then uh, be able to keep that going at a, at a, at a pretty high level. They do have Ed Woods returning. So he's a starter, maybe even was their best corner overall. And then you mentioned Zyrus Fiasu. Uh, he was San Diego state's MVP overall as a sophomore, super impressive, uh, third year sophomore. 
he had 66 tackles, I believe. Um, so, of course, ASU, pretty thin at linebacker. Um, but they just lost Trey Brown. He came in for one year. He's gone. Will Schaefer hit the portal. He ended up at Utah State. Uh, he was already thin on, on, at linebacker, so they so they added Fiasu, and then they added Jordan Crook, who's from also from Arkansas as a linebacker. He's a good athlete, one of the better athletes that they're going to have, I would say, at that linebacker position to help them supplement uh, the guys that they have returning. Uh, Caleb McCullough, uh, you know, they got Tate Romney is back, so they they do have some guys, and. Um, you know, then they added some some defensive line help. J.P. Dieter from Purdue, Justin Whitley from Cincinnati. These are uh, guys that were playing in more conservative schemes, but they want to play in more aggressive schemes. They're sort of like three technique, you know, movement defensive linemen. You can kind of get them aligned in different gaps and move them around. They're not really edges, even though they're, they were listed as edges coming out of high school. They're now like 270, uh, 280 pound guys that are, that can move and cancel gaps and, and do things like that. So that is a pretty, you know, it's not going into depth on every single guy, but that's pretty much all of the players that ASU's added via the transfer portal. Yeah. Pretty nice overview right there for everybody. Uh, really quick before we move on to the high school signees and talk about all those guys, uh, just throwing a question back at you about the offensive tackle position. You mentioned how, uh, you know, Sam Levitt, Jane Rashada, Trent Borgay, these guys need some pass protection. So how big of a worry does that need to be for Sun Devil fans right now? Uh, and will that be, you know, shored up somewhat quickly here uh, in the recruiting trail? That definitely the the most glaring thing that's missing from what they've done uh, via via transfer and 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 look, uh, ASU historically has struggled to get the big six six, uh, long tackles that are you know, playing at most elite schools. And those are the very difficult guys to come by, especially when you when you add the NIL into the equation. They were visited by uh, two tackles from Michigan. They were visited by somebody from uh, uh, Texas Tech who was a good player and, and others, and they weren't really able to secure any of those guys um, via the portal. Dillingham said that they still need to get tackles and he's, you know, they they're working on that. Uh, whether or not they're going to be able to get anyone in before classes start in January. I think that's very much up in the air. Uh, I, I think that that's as unlikely as it is likely, at least at this point, um, they do they're they're gonna get Emmett Bowley back uh by all indications. He was a starting right tackle, he's got a season-ending ankle injury in the, maybe their second game of the year. Um, so that's big. They also got um some I would say overall development from Bram Walden during the year, and then Maxi Honachor is uh probably their their biggest upside. Uh, player i think that he improved as much as anybody on the roster january to december and uh, i think he's got a an nfl potential uh six six and three forty or thirty or something like that. He's a huge guy uh you know otherwise they you know the, their athleticism was a little bit lacking at running back so they 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 clearly addressed that they they needed defensive backs uh 
all across the roster. The Kamari Wilson mentioned him. He's somebody that has the ability to come in and uh, replace Chris Edmonds, maybe a, even a more athletic version of Chris Edmonds. And, and um, you know, so they're, I would say that they're in a, a pretty good place because, you know, you have Shamari Simmons coming back. And then, of course, you have Xavier Alford. So they have three guys. That the possibility is there to maybe play Simmons at some nickel. Um, they got the two linebackers that we mentioned. They they got some help along their defensive front. They could still use another pass rusher with BJ Green's departure, but they have, uh, of course, you know, returning some of their top pass rushers on the team from last season. So I think the defense is overall in in, in pretty good shape right now. Then, of course, as we mentioned earlier, 17 signees uh, for the Sun Devils. Let's go ahead and get into those. Running back Jason Brown uh, was signed. He won national honors for his efforts. Uh, Sun Devil staff really excited about him. He can make some uh, noise early on in his Sun Devil career. Uh, and then also Jaden Fortier, a tight end, the number one prospect out of Oregon, was another great addition for Coach Dillingham and Coach Mons. So what are your overall thoughts on the high school class and who else is jumping out to you? Uh, right now yeah so once again um things have changed so much in recruiting in just a matter of probably three or four years where it used to be that a high school class needed to have a half dozen or more four-star recruits at asu to be considered really successful sometimes they would have as many as seven or eight four-star recruits but they were signing 25 ish high school kids right well now there's a couple factors number one you have the uh, you're adding a lot more transfer so your your high school signing classes are smaller 17 you know that's not it's not extremely small but it's definitely 20 percent off of what what would be considered normal at least and then um the 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 traditional blue blood programs because of how robust that that NIL is at those places, it's it's guys are going to where they think that they're going to make more money, um, if not right away, and in, in many cases right away. But if not right away, a quicker what they perceive to be a quicker path to making well into the six figures, and that's um, that's harder to accomplish at ASU because really only. A, the the ASU's NIL efforts, while improved, and we've we've done a podcast about this and everything, and and you know they're they're trending in a positive direction. But uh, new players, guys who are going to be freshmen, they're not making NIL at ASU. So so people who are are, are prioritizing that, they're not going to probably end up at ASU. Uh, but as you said, there they got Jason Brown. He's one of the I mean, he led his his team to state championship game birth, and um, I mean, had a monster perform production uh, this year. Five ten, two hundred. He's the type of guy who running back. Uh, you can play as a freshman if, if you can handle the protections and uh, your assignment sound. And you understand your role uh, within the scheme. You can play. So I'm not saying he's going to necessarily beat out. Uh, some of these other guys when ASU has, of course, uh, returning to ASU, you have their all their best running backs, the, the guys who soaked up all the carries last season. 
uh, are, are back. And, and then you also add to that Rayleigh Brown. So do I, you know, I don't necessarily think that Jason Brown is going to come in and, and sort of push back, push through uh, some of these other guys on the depth chart. But I, I do think that once you get to where he's a, a second year college player and you will have lost two or three of your top guys on the depth chart. Now, all of a sudden he's competing for a starting job. Uh, and then Fortier, he had the, the, the ACL mentioned that earlier. So you can't really expect too much of him right away, even though he services a, a, a eventually a Conyers type of a role. Uh, not, not, not quite as big, but the, that, that guy that you can line up, wide and pretty much anywhere flexed out wide slot and really they they've done a really good job in texas this is sort of their uh push that they've made uh between brian carrington and rashad samples uh carrington was ranked uh somewhere around borderline top five a lot of that was on the strength of his defensive backs two guys ranked in the top 100 overall backs in in Texas and they're you know six foot or 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 so uh athletic corners Chris Johnson uh state championship caliber player at Aledo might have been the defensive star and then from from Arizona they got Plaz Johnson who's listed as a wide receiver but they recruited him to play defensive back so they got four DBs uh which is is pretty impressive and then and then one of the things that they've been talking a lot about of course is, is getting more beef this is that's the word quote quotes that Dillingham said got to get more beef. A, a flip from Oregon State late. He's listed three twenty eight, but I heard he's closer to three fifty at six foot three as a guard. I mean, talk about a road grader of a guy that they that they got there. They and then they also uh, via uh, flip uh, Samisi uh, Tonga. He's three hundred and ten pounds as a high school guard listed um so you you add those on top of their first offensive line commit he's more like normal size 6'4 270 or something like that but a guy who's athletic and long-armed and i like him a lot and then they got uh philly va'a saluni from hawaii but he's going on a two-year lds church mission so he won't be around for a while uh but they they really went hard at uh overall trying to add size because uh matutia the guy the 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 new mexico transfer he's 346 346 pounds joey sua the is 346 pounds or something very similar so they've added a bunch of guys now who are 300 plus pounds uh, and that's that's gonna allow them to to develop size you, you know you really can't teach size um and then oh they they got you know some other guys in the class but i don't really think others that i would expect to make immediate roles and we'll probably save going through all of them individually for our next podcast yeah hopping into a little more discussion about this polynesian pipeline that the sun devils have been really molding so far over these past few weeks and in large part due to uh, the O-line coach Sanga Tuatelli. Uh, he's added six commits to ASU, four of them, uh, big O-lineman he's going to be able to mold. Uh, and the team posted that Polynesian pipeline after signing day. So just your thoughts on the, the team's efforts there and uh, what they've been able to get out of that Polynesian pipeline. Yeah, um, really, I think it's even more than that because they got 
They got the two transfers we mentioned. Then they got Terrell Kim. They got um, Samisi Tonga and Champ Westbrook. Westbrooks, pardon me. So that's five. Plus they got two 2025 commits who are both 340 pounds plus. Um, so they're adding a lot of size. And um, of the Polynesian pipeline, you, you know, you have an offensive line coach who's, who spent some time in American Samoa when he was growing up, uh, even though he was born, I think, in the mainland. But he really connects well uh, to to the, the Polynesian uh, um, players. You know, people know that going back to the '70s or whatever, there were several really prominent star players at ASU um, of of Polynesian descent, and and ASU sort of trying to tap back into this now. We wrote a story on the site. I think Noah Furtado wrote it. Been a a, a, a benefit to. Some programs over the years in the West, you know, the Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington States, especially in recent decades. But ASU hasn't really been able to capitalize on that. But you go down the list right now and you say, wait a second, uh, Terrell Kim, he's uh, half Polynesian, I believe, or, or more, more than that. Filiva'a Saluni from Hawaii. He's Polynesian. Sumisi Tonga is Polynesian. They got Reno class. Salisi Anu. Indonesian, and then you look at their high school class. I mentioned Maututia, uh, Oisua, both of them are Polynesian. Zyrus Fiasu, the San Diego State leading uh, tackler and, and uh, defensive or their team MVP overall is Polynesian. Um, and then and then 2025, they already have uh, a Polynesian offensive lineman who just committed. So, and then they put out a graphic that basically says all their players who are of Polynesian descent and that they're leaning into it. And I really feel speaking very highly of their, their the experience, how much they're enjoying playing at ASU, what they think about the culture and the coaching staff and everything. Then you have a chance to start to get some, some even higher profile uh, guys. So I, I think that's a very smart strategy that they're undertaking with uh, Sangha uh, Tuitelli and uh, of course, they they already had um, uh, they you know they have all other coaches on their staff that have Polynesian roots. Uh, uh, the running backs coach, who uh, was basically you know uh, their their interim head coach, uh, what is from Hawaii originally, and then they have GAs on their uh, and recruiting analysts and 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 other people uh, who are who are Polynesian. So you put that you put it all together, and I really feel like. Um, you know, they're they're gaining some traction. This is something that we're gonna have to be watching pretty closely in the years to come. Looking at the offense, of course, we've mentioned how Jalen Conyers, a tight end, is not with ASU anymore. He's transferred over to Texas Tech. Uh, how do they kind of balance some of the losses there offensively? And how do they look offensively based on the transfer class coming in and some of these signees uh ahead? Yeah, that's a great question. I, they Jalen Conyers, you know, he was expected to be one of their best players and and a team leader. I felt like he had a growth year. I think he um, learned a lot about himself and realized, you know, some certain things that he could have done better. He's still super talented. I think he could be very good at Texas Tech. Um, and you'd probably rather have him on your team than not. But the NIL is a big factor. And he's going to be now three, four hour drive from hometown or where he grew up. And I don't think that ASU with the players that they that 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 were added is going to be really a drop off there. And then ASU lost 
Isaiah Glass, he started at left tackle, going to Oklahoma State. Uh, but we talked about this. He was one of the worst performing starting offensive tackles in, in major conf, major college football over the last couple of years. So whoever they, they add there and or play there, I really don't expect to be a drop off. I think it actually should be an upgrade uh, overall when you look at it. So and Bram Walden, maybe not as far along from a run blocking or physicality standpoint from a pass pro. I think he is ahead already of Isaiah Glass. And after another year, probably will be further ahead. So, um, and, and then they, they needed to improve their quarterback situation, right? Because Drew Pine, it pretty, pretty clearly, it looked like he wasn't going to be able to get it done. Jacob Conover, they added last year. He's not going to be able to compete at the highest level. So they needed to inject more talent. So getting Sam Levitt helps if they can have, if they can get Levitt, and or Rashada playing at a high level. Okay, now all of a sudden you're and you have you retain Borgay, who's a good third string guy, even a good backup, really. Now you're now you're functioning at a at a higher level. They they you know, Elijah Badger, by all indications, seems like he might be back. Cross your fingers, ASU fans, but he didn't enter the portal, hasn't announced any intentions to go pro. So you know, we'll see what happens, but he could be back. And ASU has a lot of wide receiver talent that we haven't even talked about here. Remember, Jordan Tyson was hurt almost all season. He was a leading receiver at Colorado before he transferred. Jake Smith couldn't play after, you know, he was a Gatorade player of the year. He's a super high impact athlete. So they're getting some of those guys added to the fold. They also uh, are, are returning pretty much almost all their guys that, that impacted the position. So if they can, if they can add offensive tackle or two get decent or better quarterback play, they have Cameron Scadaboo to Carlos Brooks. They relate Brown, Jason Brown. Now, okay. Now Kyson Brown, they they're they're and they got tight ends. I think that are going to be fine. They have a chance to be a much better offense. And then defensively, of course, the headliners that that took off were Jordan Clark to Notre Dame and B.J. Green to Washington. Uh, you know, there's still some guys on the defensive side of the football for ASU that can get the job done. Of course, you mentioned uh, guys like Trey Brown, who are now out of eligibility that have uh, moved on. But uh, kind of just posing the same question to you on how you feel the defense is at this point and uh, what the trajectory of of their status could be here later on. Right. So uh, you don't want to lose BJ Green. I mean, that, that's by far to me, I think their biggest loss because he services the the ability to rush the passer from inside, outside. You move him around. He's improved against the run. He's a good player. Uh, again, you know, some of these guys, they're, they're looking for better NIL opportunities. And Washington has more, you know, there's more money there to go around. It, 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 ASU NIL, is it going to put a, a 10 to 15% or more of its overall NIL for the roster into a BJ Green? I don't I don't think so. So uh they ASU returns Clayton Smith and Prince Storm, a very good edge rushers. Uh, you know, they've 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 supplemented with guys that can rush the passer from the interior. They're developing some of their other guys. Uh I, definitely uh, they could use another player here, another impact player here. Dillingham mentioned that in addition to offensive tackle, they'd like to get one more impact defensive lineman. 
and then maybe one more linebacker if they if they if they could do that. Um, the I feel like what happened towards the end of the season is they wore down from a depth standpoint and from a physicality standpoint. So those things are, are are improved by another year of developing weight, strength, conditioning, et cetera. And, and then uh, we'll see these defensive backs that they added. I think that they're talented. Jordan Clark, uh, you know, he's a solid coverage guy, but he's not that physical. And you need a little more physicality, I think, in an ideal situation around the line of scrimmage to, to handle some of these screens and some of these, uh, um, you know, the, the outside zone runs and, and, and things of that nature. And so you, if you can move in Shamari Simmons or get some, somebody else more physical, I think their safety position looks really good. And these corners that they've added also look like they have a pretty good physical profile. So I, I, the bottom line, Ethan, is I really think that ASU should be better on offense and defense in 2024. How much better is really exactly what we have to 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 watch spring football and see who else they add to be able to get a lot more specific on that. Yeah, spring football coming up. It's not that far away. The year certainly flew by as we head into 2024 here soon. Uh, but Chris, thank you so much as always. That's going to do it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Thank you so much as always to the listeners for tuning in and make sure to share this podcast if you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon with more podcast content, hopefully around early January. But until then, stay locked on to the 247 site and Sun Devil Source for all your news surrounding ASU athletics. And hey, if you're not a subscriber yet, make sure to join on and sign up today. This is where you need to be to be staying up today with ASU News. Till then, we're wishing you a happy new year, and we'll see you next time.